Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. My name is Matt Tebby, one of the co-founders of Gravity Leadership. I'm here with my partners, Ben Sternke. Hello. And Ben Hardman. Hey, guys. And we are working through, we're in a series right now, working through what we call our missional theology axioms. We are on axiom number six. Uh, this, this, this is the end of the axiom numbers we have, but I think we're going to add another one. This is kind of how we operate. We, yeah. we think of things that we want to say <laughs> Here's and something. talk about, and we just are like, well, let's just add that to the thing, and then right. that's why we can't actually write anything down on paper. Then that's not true. Because it, it would be too permanent. I changed my Twitter profile to say my book proposal will be due next is going to be finished next week. Oh, well, you laid down the gauntlet. <laughs> I laid down the gauntlet. The, so everybody on Twitter is going to read that and go like, Matt, Oh, next what? week, Matt's going to have Matt, this. Matt, where is it? Yep. Accountability. Uh, Twitter no, accountability. We do. We do do that. Yep. Uh, you know, cause, because all this is sort of... The axioms function for us as we're entering this new, strange new world of post-Christian... Um, po- late modernity or post-modernity, sort of uh, the Christian frontier, mm-hmm. and we're we're noticing that constructs and paradigms we've inherited uh, from you know the Enlightenment, from modernity, even from Christendom, they they are straining. They're old wineskins, right? Yes. And and we're having to patch them up and to do lots of nuancing and explaining. And we're realizing, this is one of the ways we're realizing, hey, we're, we're using different lenses or constructs to look at the world than Jesus did, and it's not helping us. Right. So these axioms are the ways we're naming. Here's some foundational assumptions that Jesus made about reality, the way he engaged people and uh, situations, and we want to recover them today. So today we're talking about the sixth axiom. I'll name it. And then uh, you guys begin, I'll just point at you and you just begin talking. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> see, see what comes out. Uh, the sixth axiom is, that, is the goal of our discipleship. What are we doing? Why, why are we actually, why are we, why are we wanting to become more like Jesus? Why are we growing in grace? However, your tradition mm. says that. The goal of discipleship isn't cognitive certitude or moral perfection. The goal of discipleship is divine union. Ben, what does that mean? Boom. 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 Yeah, first of all, boom. Uh, but yeah, what does it mean? Um, 
I'll start with a story. Um, this this has been hard. Uh, this living into this has been hard one for me. Um, I I was a good I was a, I've been a good Christian boy, um, and so I know how to play that game. Um, but I, I remember a, there was a moment. Uh, if this was this is your life right now, uh-huh. I'd have your mom on the phone, and she'd yeah. have your like a wanna scorecard from fourth grade. <laughs> right, <laughs> she never quite did that, but yeah, that was you know I was a good I was a good kid. I had yeah. I was the oldest kid, and so I I had this you know consciousness of like I'm I'm an example. I have to set a good example for these you know these little siblings of mine. Even when Ben was in nursery school, <laughs> he was a good he boy. He always shared the glue. <laughs> right, um, and so but that that wasn't. Uh, I mean, I guess what I started to realize is that wasn't necessarily motivated uh, purely by a desire to be good. Um, there was uh, there was there was some reward I was looking for in the midst of that, and so um, I, you know, I remember a moment uh, fifteen, sixteen years ago now, um, where I had you know I gotten married, and I we had a, I think a couple kids at that time, and um, if anything will disabuse you of your um, your illusions that you are a good person, um, it's having kids. <laughs> where um, and This is what it did for me. It was or, like, a, or a dog. Or right, a dog. Right, Hartman? Jimmy is such a jerk, guys. He's, <laughs> we, he's the worst dog in the history of Christendom. Anyway, um, poor Jimmy can't defend himself. But anyway, I... Uh, <laughs> you know, I had kids. I had kids, and and I, and I realized, like, wow, there is there is really crazy stuff coming out of my heart towards these kids when they don't do what I say, when they won't uh, respect me, when they won't, uh, you know, fulfill my commands uh, to them. And so um, that was what I was starting to realize. And I I think I just became conscious of this that there was this there was this darkness or this this wickedness, this lack of morality in my heart. Um, yeah. And, um, and it, you know, it kind of just, it, it was starting to bother me because my whole arrangement that I feel like I had with God was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing. And then you're going to bless me. I follow the rules. I follow the rules. I'm a so, good boy. You know, so therefore, you know, g- give me the promises. Like, you know, I want to live a meaningful life. I want, you know, yeah. but I had, I realized I had this, you know, this arrangement with God, but I couldn't fulfill. I felt like I couldn't fulfill my end of the bargain. Because I, I was like, I keep losing it with my kids. Yeah. And what does this mean about my relationship with God? And I had this consciousness that because that was my arrangement with God, when I did lose it with my kids or when I did a sin in some way, I, I had to go away from God. I had to sort myself out. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out kind of wh- how I was going to, you know, um, figure myself out. <laughs> and, then, uh, <laughs> and then I could come back to God and say, hey, God, I know you know that I did this, but here's what I'm doing about it. Um, you don't need to worry I'm good. You know, I've got this under control. I mean, it's kind of my consciousness. I didn't ever do that overtly, but that was kind of how I related to God. Yeah. Um, and I remember um, it was after Wednesday night church. We had these classes on Wednesday night at the church I was uh, leading, or I was, I was on staff at for a while. And um, I remember Deb, my wife, was out doing something else. Um, and I had the two, our, our two kids in the back seat driving home and uh, was just, again, conscious. Uh, I can't remember what exactly had happened, but I was just conscious of this like guilt and this shame about who I was on the inside. And this song that I'd been listening to, I'd been listening to this kind of independent um, uh, uh, band. Uh, I don't even know, I can't even find the song. I've looked for it, um, but I don't know where it is. I don't know if they ever made more than 20 CDs. <laughs> 
uh, of this song, but this song came on, and I remember the lyrics, this song came on as I was driving home that said, We bring a sacrifice of praise <laughs> nope, before it. the Lord, <laughs> before the... That wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, that wasn't it. Um, the, the, song, uh, the song said, I'm trying hard to believe, or no, it's I'm trying to believe that it's true, that my unfaithfulness could be swallowed up in you. And then the chorus just said, I just want to stay a while. And, you know, I mean, as far as lyrics go, it's not, you know, it's not going to win any awards. But for some reason, it, I... It, it's about the most vineyard thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... It's I, really good. Yeah. It's a really good lyric. But, but what it did for me in that moment, I sensed this tug on my heart from the Lord uh, while I was in the car. And so I knew, like, okay, I can... I can ignore this or I can pay attention to this. And I put, the, I got home, I put the kids to bed and I was like, all right, I'm going to play that song. And I'm going to say like, Lord, what are, what's going on here? Mm. What's happening? So I did it. I, I listened to that song and I realized that this, this, like I'm trying to believe that it's true, that my unfaithfulness, the th- this thing that I think is separating me from you, that I'm using as a way to keep you at bay, like it's nothing to you. Mm. It's just, you can swallow it up. It's My unfaithfulness can just be swallowed up. And then I realized that that chorus, I just want to stay a while, was the cry of my heart. I was like, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want union with God. I, want to, and I just thought that I had to be a good boy to get it. And, so, um, and then I realized in that moment, too, that was the cry of God's heart for me. He's like, I just want to be with you. I want, to, I want you to be with me. And your unfaithfulness isn't the barrier that you think it is. Not from my end, anyway. That's what God's speaking to me. Like, it's not a barrier from my end. It's yeah. only a barrier from your end yeah. because of how you think about our relationship. Right. What I hear you saying is, it was, a, it was a kairos for you to say, my unfaithfulness isn't a barrier, but what you're actually indicating is, and this is why this axiom's important, that your faithfulness was actually a barrier to God for you. Right. So... Right, so your hustle wasn't I'm gonna I'm gonna drink and chew and go with girls who do. Right, your hustle was I'm going to only listen to Christian radio, mm-hmm. wear my wear witness wear, mm-hmm. right, study the Bible, lead small groups. I didn't wear witness wear for the record. I just want that to go on the record. I think never wore it. A breadcrumb and fish. Did you never eat testaments? Did I you didn't. Eat I never ate testament. Well, unless they were offered to me. <laughs> and then politely. <laughs> and then I politely said, "I already believe this stuff." <laughs> no, so like, did you did you play the purpose driven life board game? I did not. <laughs> Wait, are these real things? That's not a real thing. I don't know. Testaments is real. Testament. Testaments I know testaments are real. Are real. But you're now they you're just real. making stuff up, Hardman. Know. See the, the 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 weird the funny thing is Hardman you could make that up and we wouldn't know if it's not true. Oh yeah, I mean it sounds. I'm wearing I'm wearing I'm actually wearing my good good father boxer shorts right now. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, where where, <laughs> where do we were go? we? Where do we go? My oh, fa- yeah, your, my faithfulness. Your faithfulness was your hustle. Right. It was right? the way. Yeah, it was the way that I was trying to get what I thought I needed from God. Yes. And my my kairos was that I failed in that attempt. Praise and God. That's, praise God, because that's what opened me up to this, what this axiom speaks of, which is, that's actually not the way that God wants to relate. with. It's not second best that it's about divine union and God, you know, can swallow up my unfaithfulness. Um, that's actually the only way it works. Yes. It's the only way it works. Yeah, and so we call this the temptation of the religious person. Mm-hmm. So the temptation of the religious person uh, is to be good, to be morally perfect, and thereby put sort of put God in our debt, thereby having this arrangement with God, this contract with God, right? 
so that we, we end up believing in some sort of moralistic karma rather than a God of grace and truth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, remember I said this to somebody uh, a few months ago. Um, they were having Kairos moments about not appear. They wanted to do some good things, and, and, their, and their spouse was uh, not in agreement, and it was causing all kinds of irritation. And I just suggested that one of the things God might want to do in this person's life is to disabuse them of their goodness. Mm. And uh, with, uh, he did not like it. <laughs> I'm not sure he was ready for that. Yeah, but that's, that's yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, great. So, so, so the temptation to be morally perfect is a religious temptation that cuts us off from divine union, yeah. and it's only by sitting and facing and and naming and owning and confessing mm-hmm. our imperfection yeah. that we actually are able to come into divine union. Right. Yeah, and this right. this gets to the the um, I can't remember which number axiom it is, maybe the fourth one. But God meets us where we really are, right? And so the reason that moral perfection separates us from God is that that's not, actually not true about me. It's a game I'm playing, but actually, what's true about me is the fact that we are flawed, we are sinful, we 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 need grace. Yes. Once you get real about that, that's when that's when God met me. That's when that's where we meet God. Right. Hartman, how how have you seen this play out in your life? I know uh, you you told us last episode that you haven't always been the good boy. Uh, so how how did this? How, why is this necessary for you? Yeah, I think I think for me, I I actually so I grew up in a really ultra conservative uh, Christian school. So I went to a Christian high school, and I I wasn't the kid that flourished in that environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wasn't the kid that loved Bible Bowl and sword drills and uh, wanted to spend Friday night listening to. Uh, Bill Gaither. I, I just didn't. I, you were more I was, of a was, you were more of a Kathy Tricoli guy, weren't you? It was the early. It was the <laughs> early nineties. Matt, we have this in common. In common, like yep. I was all about the rap music. I can I can name early nineties. I can do every lyric to every song. That girl like the is axiom, the ax, Yeah, the axiom of Belle Biv DeVoe: Never trust a big butt to smile. Oh, like geez. those were the axioms that I was that I was receiving at that time. And so this, our school had this award. I'm not kidding about this guys. This is real. This is real stuff. Our school had this award that they would give out every year and it was called the total person award. Uh, and they would person. hand this out to students and the total person was like the kid that got good grades. Oh, right. That, nice. That prayed, that prayed really good, that memorized their Bible verses that, uh, yeah. you know, wore khaki pants and yeah. wore a tie on Thursdays. Cause that day is chapel. And, you know, did those nice. kinds of things. And I never won the total person award. Oh, and I can sure. remember, Always like, just a I can remember person. actually, like, Always a hating. <laughs> <laughs> I, can remember, I can remember hating the culture that I was in. Oh, man. But I also wanted to be a total person. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah totally. totally. Yeah. And, and so there was this, like, striving to, like, how do I become morally perfect? Like, mm. these guys are morally perfect. Yes. Right? Yeah. How do I... You know, what is it that I need to do to earn God's favor? And so what began to happen in me, um, partially because of that, and partially because I grew up playing a lot of sports, uh, was I I realized in sports that when I played well, I was loved. Um, When I succeeded, I I earned the favor of the people around me. So when I scored 20 points in a basketball game, everybody loved me. And so what I did was I just started trying to earn 
um, not just the favor of everyone around me, but I was trying to earn the favor of God. Yeah. Um, I have some really, I, I think everybody has broken motives for why they got into ministry and then God redeems that as we grow. Um, but a lot of my reasons for getting into ministry originally was because I wanted to earn God's favor and affection because I thought if I was a pastor that, that he would make him proud. Right. Yeah. Uh, you might and be I know a total it made person. my mom proud. Right. I was like, little Billy Graham to my mom. And so she was proud of me. And, yeah. and so there was this earning that, that was just exhausting. Yeah. I'm finally going to be a total person. If I, if I nail this, if I just, you know, if I can get this job, if I can become a pastor. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to still trying guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it'll just take a few more decades. Yep. Uh, no, I, I think this is, so this is one end of, of how we get things uh, off kilter is we focus on external behaviors as though that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to critique something without being heard uh, with without being heard as totally rejecting it. So when we critique right. behavior and moral perfection, we're not don't hear what we're not saying. Right. We're not saying it's unimportant. We're not saying that it is uh, God doesn't care about it. We are saying it's not the goal. Right. It's not the goal. It's it's insufficient. You can you can sin less. You can win the total person award, <laughs> and 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 not be a very good person. <laughs> right, 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 right. So yeah. you, so it's it's you you won't necessarily love more mm-hmm. if you sin less. Mm-hmm. And we want to suggest the Christian life is about learning how increasing in the capacity of loving more. Yes. So for me, you guys, I I, uh, I would. <laughs> I, I knew I was bad, <laughs> and so I went the other direction and sort of retreated into my head, and, mm. and uh, this is how I control my life. I control my life with my thoughts and my mouth, right? That's amazing. Does it work? And, and my abs. <laughs> no, I don't. No, like some people have like physical presence. They have, right. uh, they, yeah. you know, uh, I'm five foot ten, a hundred and, yeah. well, I used to be 140 pounds, now I'm pushing more. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to go on your permanent record. I'm pushing this more. is on the internet. I know. So uh, for me, I I kind of latched onto cognitive certitude as the golden calf. Hmm. I pursued. I mean, I love. I mean, I'm in the middle of ten books right now. I love to read. I I can't. It's 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 really fun for me. It's fun to learn. It's fun to explore things as part of what we're doing on this podcast. But for me, I I kind of bought into the more I know the better I'll become. Mm. And so I thought the, the way to fix what's wrong with me and what's wrong with the world is more information. Yeah. Right? So if you have, on one side, of the, on one side you have the behavior. I had more of like the cognition. And, and honestly, spent the first almost 10 years of my Christian life pursuing what I would call certitude, right? Certainty mm-hmm. as as the crux of getting sort of nailing down everything and making everything yeah. behave and you know, right. line up. Like a watertight theological system. Yeah. That, like there's no loose ends. I've got it all figured out. Yeah. And, yeah. and it became an idol. So mm. it became uh, idolatrous. So one of the things this axiom is critiquing is the idolatry of certainty and the idolatry of moral. Of of moralism, moralism yeah. right? So we yep. call it certitude yep. and moralism, and those words for us are ways to name how these become idolatrous lesser goals, right? So yeah. if these aren't the goals, 
uh, and uh, so Hardman, tell us then, what is the goal, and how do these two lesser things that become idols, how do they relate to it? Yeah, the goal, well, the goal is oneness. Oneness, uh, yeah. The goal is connectivity to the Father. It's, it's, it's walking in the Spirit. It's, it's knowing His plans for us. And, and, um, and, and so what, what happens is it's almost like we try and earn something that we've already been given, yes. uh, which, is, which is taking the created things and making them ultimate. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're ultimately Hmm. it's, it's identity stuff, right? So if our identity isn't rooted in my sonship that I can't earn or achieve by becoming a total person or by memorizing all of Galatians, then what I need to do is I, I, I need to continue to just lean into the joy that the father has for me as his son uh, I, I think we carry with us almost this adopted spirit, right? Um, I'm, I'm the father of an adopted daughter. And so this is very real in our family hmm. of uh, there's, there's an earning that my daughter often feels like she has to lean into. Like an, in, like an insecurity, an insecurity yeah, about her I've belonging. Gotta, I've yeah. got to do this, this, and this so that I can become a real daughter in this family hmm. when yeah, nothing wow. could be further from the truth in the eyes of her father, which is me right. of like, honey, you already have all this stuff. You don't have to earn any of this. Yes. Yeah. yeah right. So the goal then is uh, we we could call it you call it oneness, the thing that Jesus prays for. Mm-hmm. We call it uh, union. Yeah. Uh, we call it uh, communion. Right. Yeah. Co-union. Yeah. Uh, and and we're talking about this vertical thing about us being caught up in the life of the Trinity, right? Uh, but also a horizontal thing, right? Of us becoming becoming one. All these metaphors of being the bride and the body, this yeah. connectedness to mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. That is uh, intimately related to our connectedness to the tr- the triune God. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that is that is in many ways uh, our salvation. That's what salvation is. That's why this is the goal of discipleship: is we're growing into our salvation. Salvation isn't any of the second order effects of salvation, which is you know maybe I maybe I stop being a jerk. <laughs> that that'd be great, you know. But, um, which Amen. is the moralism thing, you know, or maybe I learned to think correctly about who God is. That'd be a good thing as well. But uh, those are second order effects of the real thing that's happening in salvation, which is that God is drawing us into his very life. The life of the Trinity is opened up and we're invited to experience it, to enter into it, to participate in it, uh, in, in and through Christ. Yep. And that is and, salvation. And and as a leader, I think it's so important for us to evaluate what is it we're inviting our people into. Are we inviting them into moralism and certitude, or right. are we inviting them oh, into man. oneness? Come on, that's a whole other podcast. So, so evaluating, <laughs> evaluating our preaching, evaluating the way that we disciple, evaluating like what is the invitation? Exactly. And what are we what are we doing as we're leading people? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we? What are we leading people into? I feel like we're just getting started. I know. I do too. Should we uh, do part two on this podcast? Maybe maybe end here an introduction and do part two? I, I would like to do part two, but I would like M- Matt to get the larger microphone for part two. <laughs> can I start to Bogart's the large microphone, guys? I don't understand. We can switch we, it up. We break out. We, we start podcasting today, uh-huh. and Sternke pulls out this it's mammoth. A it's, it's a, a total. Move. You got the microphone. It takes up half the room. <laughs> <laughs> Might be exaggerated. <laughs> Well, uh, I have one spiritual gift, mm-hmm. and it's exaggeration. And it's exaggeration, yeah. Uh, friends, this is just an introduction to this axiom uh, that we 
that we train in and teach in. There's so much more to say, like why certitude and moralism appeal to us so much. Yeah. What difference this makes in how we lead. If the goal is being united to the triune God and each other in love, then so what? Is that just a theological proposition? Like, right. how does that... Is give that just us, more knowledge for me to carry around? Oh, I wish it was, because I'd love that, right? No, <laughs> I know so how to talk about give it. us one... Uh, yeah. Sternke, give us one practical so what, and then Harbin, you give us one practical so what, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, man. I think uh, a, pr- a practical so what for me is if, if, I'm, if my life is about participation with this God um, who is inviting me into his life, uh, and who wants to be one with me. I think um, one practical thing that, that's played out in my life is that I, every time, I'm learning to do this now, but every time I feel agitated or anxious or like angry or frustrated, I know I've, I've, I've somehow left the active participation with God. And my, my MO is to think that if I'm agitated or frustrated, there's something for me to fix so that I will stop being agitated and frustrated. There's yeah. something for me to fix. Some moral performance. Some, right, right. Or fixing somebody else sometimes. It's like, okay, my family's all messed up. Uh, I got I to gotta get to a certain you know, level here and then I'll, then I'll feel okay. But what I'm learning to do is instead of like pushing into that as a fixing mm-hmm. thing, like I'm going to fix it, or, or even like we get into leadership stuff here, if there's something wrong with my church, you know, instead of leaning into like fixing it, mm-hmm. I, I le- I'm learning, and I don't know how to explain this except to say, like, I'm learning to step back into the place that I left, which is participation, which is communion, which is, okay, God, God's present. God's here. God's at work. Yep. How, how can I learn to p- pay attention and participate so that I can end? Maybe there's real problems going on yeah. in my life or in my church, but I lear- I'm learning how to engage them, not from a place of frustration and fixing, but learning how to engage them from a place of peace because I know that God's already at work yeah. and that my salvation and the, you know, my, my life is not dependent on the outcome. Yeah, so you're learning. Situation. So you're learning how to notice a lack of the fruit of the spirit, right? And then and right. then meet God there in that lack, right? Instead of trying to trying to fix the problem that I'm I'm perceiving created the lack, you're projecting your anger onto right. uh, this guy who's you're podcasting with, whose microphone is so much smaller than yours, right? Right. <laughs> for that, that, that guy that guy is such a like a you know, <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, yeah. And then, <clears throat> but learning to say like, okay, the 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 piece that I'm missing here is available to me right now, even though this problem isn't solved. Church! That's church, people. All right, that's a good so what. I've got a so what, too. I just thought of one. But Harmon, I want to hear from you, and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm learning how to lead in a church setting while having nothing to prove or earn. Uh, and I, I think that's an ongoing challenge for me. I think that's a weight that I'm going to carry for a long time. Man. But... I, I, there's moments when I sit in a meeting or I feel a tension about we're not growing or something's not happening that I'd like to generate or to happen. Yeah. And I feel like I've got to do something. I've got to earn something. I've got to prove something, um, which causes me in many ways to overreach, uh, to get out of step with where the spirit's leading me, mm. um, to lead out of my own kind of giftedness or strength to lead into pragmatism or practical wisdom. Mm. And I'm learning to just sit in the fact of, uh, and I, I, I honestly, you guys, if you could hear my inner dialogue in meetings, oftentimes I'm saying to myself, like, you have nothing to prove. You have nothing to earn right now. Right. 
Uh, and it allows me to have a, a, a non-anxious presence uh, in that moment. And it allows me to understand that I don't have to build Rome in a day. I don't like, like there's no quota that I have to earn this month. Yes. There's yeah. no accomplishment that God's calling me to. Uh, I'm just simply, I just need to be aware of his presence, aware of his leading. And when he says, go, I go. Yeah. Hartman, that's really good, man. So what I'm noticing from both of you is that is there's a, there when God is so real, he most fully meets us where we're really at. We have to train in an awareness, a perception of where we really are. And this narrative you're talking about, Harbin, can run your life. And actually, you'll get paid really well by a church trying to prove yourself as a good pastor. Lots and of being church, anxious. And being anxious. Yeah. Lots of churches pay top money because you'll, you'll be a workaholic. Yeah. And you won't stop, and you'll be a hard charger, and you'll be sort of this, you know what I mean? You'll, you'll throw yourself fully into it, but what's being mo- it's not motivated from love. It's motivated from this idolatry of, I am what I produce. I am yeah. what I ac- yeah. accomplish, yes. right? And so uh, we want to name and unmask these idolatries because they're, they're hurting the church. They're hurting us. They're hurting leadership. Yeah. I got an email from somebody uh, a couple days ago um, who's leading a cohort, uh, one of our cohorts, and everybody in the group, they don't see themselves as leaders, and they are bristling at being called leaders. We, we've got a leadership crisis. Not only do we not yeah. do we not have enough leaders, but we have the wrong kind of leaders, so that people don't even want to be named that. Right. And this is mm. part of the reason why. Yes. This is part of the reason why. So this is our uh, sixth axiom, that the goal, the telos, I had to throw Greek in or else it wouldn't be a Gravity Leadership podcast. The telos of our discipleship isn't cognitive certitude or moral perfection, it's divine union. And what we see in the Gospels is that when Jesus brings people to himself, even with their jacked-up heterodox beliefs, even with their living with five guys who aren't your husband behaviors, when he draws people to himself, they are transformed by his love, and they're sent out in mission right where they're at. So we're learning how to do this. We're learning how to train people in this. Uh, Let us know what you think. How has this axiom hit you? Email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can hit us up on Twitter as well. We all hang out there. Uh, Not as much, though, during Lent as we do during their times (laughs) of the year. Uh, That's all for now. We'll talk to you next time. Peace, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future episode. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful in our work as local pastors and practitioners of discipleship and mission. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.